it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. I love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 258. Today, Andrew and I thought we would take a moment and talk about the potential most anticipated recession ever, right? And talk about a yield curve and maybe explain some of these terms in a general 30,000 foot view so people can understand them. So when they're watching CNBC, they're not going, what are they talking about? So maybe this episode can help better explain those terms to you so you can kind of understand what's going on in the news and everything. So without any further ado, then I'll turn it over to my friend, Andrew, and we can start chatting about fun stuff like yield curves and recessions, the R word. Sure. Let's start with recessions because um, if a go recession indicator is how crazy people around me are driving, um, we're definitely <laughs> progressing towards a recession. <laughs> I guess what's interesting about the recession to me, um, being somebody who is in earnings calls a lot, I know you're in earnings calls a lot, listening to a lot of those. And it's very interest it's a very interesting time because you hear CEOs, a lot of them seem to say, I don't see a recession. Like we're seeing demand, things are great, profits are up, revenues are up. Like mm-hmm. they're not seeing a recession. But then whenever you, like you said, turn on the TV or get on Twitter or wherever it is where people are talking about the stock market, it's recessions coming, recessions coming, recessions coming. Mm -hmm. And so what the real answer is could be actually both. Like it, it could be, yes, you're not seeing the recession yet, but yes, the recession is coming. And I think the yield curve and particularly the inverted yield curve can help even a beginner to understand why a recession probably will happen. And hopefully if you understand the basics of it, you can understand what to expect, but also what what you should do or not do with your portfolio as a result. Yeah, that that those are all great points. And when people hear the R word, it can be scary. And people don't know how to react, don't know what to do. And maybe today we can help explain a little briefly 
how some of these kinds of ideas work. So I think maybe we should start with maybe the, the yield curve and talk about that and talk about how that kind of can impact a potential recession or not. So maybe you had a good analogy for the yield curve. What can we, t- can we t- touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to, I, you know, in the past, if you go on one of the archives, I mentioned that I think interest rates are kind of like a pendulum and that's actually not a great picture for them. I think they're more like the waves in the ocean where as interest rates try to think of them in a line where you have the short-term rates all the way up to the long-term rates. And if that's confusing, just think of the difference between a mortgage. You have you could get a 15-year mortgage or you can get a 30-year mortgage. And then all the way to the short term would be like a CD, which I might be aging myself by even saying that because I don't even know if <laughs> like my brother, for example, would know what a CD is. But a CD is something where you can lock your money away for like three months and get some interest for it. And it'd be a higher interest than a savings account. So on the short end, you could have something like a CD or a savings account all the way to a mortgage, 30-year mortgage. And if you think about the difference between a 15-year mortgage and a 30-year mortgage, the interest rate on the 30-year mortgage is going to be higher than the interest rate on the 15-year mortgage because you're basically getting rewarded for having your money locked away longer. So you being rewarded in the sense of like the bank is the one lending you the money. And so they're being rewarded for giving away that money at a longer time by the higher interest rate. And so that's where the kind of line between the short term and the long term goes. And if you think of the waves of the ocean, the Fed is the one who basically sets the short term rates, the Federal Reserve. And so as they push those up, the long term rates will eventually follow. Um, sometimes they do follow in lockstep, not quite like the ocean, but sometimes it takes a while. And so we're in that weird stage and the inverted yield curve is kind of like, okay, the short term has come up and the long term still down and that's not normal. And that's why you get all this discussion about it. So let's, I guess, talk a little bit about when we're talking about inverted Really, what you what you really mean is, as one rate goes up, the other one goes down, and they kind of cross, correct? Yeah, and that's and that's where that's where you have a potential problem is because you see the Fed pushing out higher rates, but then the long term rates aren't reacting and going right. up in lockstep with that, which causes potential catastrophe. Not maybe not catastrophe is the right word, but potential problem. So why, what is the, what is the, I guess the, the nexus of the problem then? Why is that a problem when one is going up and then the other one is going down? Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. 
create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I guess just because it's not normal, like, it's, it's really hard to say, well, this is the problem because the economy has so many moving pieces. Parts, right. So if you think of like the short term rates, we can talk about the Fed and their mm-hmm. impact, but there's a, there's a lot of banks that are involved with that. There's people on their checking accounts and money markets, mm-hmm. and we can just go on and on and on. And then right. on the long term, you have anything from a mortgage, which is regular everyday people like you and I, all the way up to like somebody like Apple or Amazon issuing debt mm-hmm. and the US government issuing debt and the Fed can also affect the long term. So there's so many factors that go into why the yield curve is inverted and why it affects the economy. But mm-hmm. what we can know is, all right, maybe I don't know how the molecules work in a, an ocean wave, but right. I know that we can predict what it's going to do eventually. And mm-hmm. you can do pretty much the same thing with the yield curve and the economy. That makes a lot of sense. And I think I remember reading a while back that every recession that we've ever had has been predicted by a yield curve inverting. Is that correct? I Yeah, I don't know for 100%, but it seems like if you Google... A really it, good end. A really uh, high almost every, percentage. Almost everybody, yeah, 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 almost yeah. everybody is saying that. Yeah. And so that's why that's why that terminology gets brought up on CNBC, for example, so much is because they look at that as a early indicator of a potential recession. Yes. Okay. So what I find interesting about it, and I don't know if if, if this is like a valuable nugget you can kind of take home to the bank, but there's um, an agent 
that's not how you say it. Ad- adjunct finance professor. Adjunct. There's an adjunct, thank you. There's an adjunct finance professor at UCLA and UC Berkeley. His name is Richard Lehman. And he wrote a great article on Seeking Alpha recently about the inverted yield curve. And according to his article, he says he he says he, he shows a chart where you do see the, the previous recessions and how the yield curve predated those. Mm-hmm. And he also said that the inversion tends to happen and then you don't see the recession until six to eighteen months later. And so the, I mean the the curve inverted uh I think it was in November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that sounds right. Uh, don't don't quote me on it. Um, not an interest rate expert, but right. based on that timeline, then it makes a lot of sense that the CEOs are saying one thing while the mm-hmm. finance people are saying another thing, because the it basically just takes a while to work work its way through the through economy. the system. Right. Yeah. You. Yeah. You're you're right. And even it's interesting being involved in the earnings calls and listening to them and reading through them different sectors and different industries are seeing different impacts. And, you know, if you talk to Visa, for example, everything's sunny, everything's great, you know, MasterCard, same. It's like the most amazing thing ever. But then when you talk to Walmart, they are starting to see a change in how people are buying or seeing a a change in the demographic of people that are buying. Or they're also seeing maybe a, a change in the, the basket cart, like the cart average, like the, the check average of items that are being purchased is shrinking. And so that indicates to them that people are starting to cut back on their purchases and they're not buying as many big ticket items as they were six months ago, a year ago. And that is leading to them to indicate that they think that, you know, something is coming. And I think the the interesting thing about economics just in general is I'm by no means an economic expert in any way, shape or form, but it does seem to be a little bit of a mad science. Like there's no, there's no actual predictors of, of anything. It's all indicators of potential and it's never anything like, Hey, this is happening. This is going to happen. It, it, like you said, there's so many levers to all these different things that what happens at Walmart doesn't necessarily impact visa and vice versa. It may eventually, but it may not, it may never impact them and so it's just it's just really hard to know and then you also don't know how much of the news talking about death doom and despair is going to impact how people psychologically think when they go to walmart to buy groceries is they're not gonna you know are they gonna buy chicken and hamburger as opposed to going to steak you know it's you just don't know and so those to me are it it could be a little bit an alchemy you know you just don't know what all the different brews are gonna to lead to. So I think let's talk, can we talk a little bit about like that lag between what the inverted curve is and the stock market? Because, you know, we've seen, we've seen some craziness in the stock market over the last year, year two plus. Right. So I guess let's, I guess let's talk about that in conjunction with the yield curve. That's a really great point too, because yeah, up to now we've said inverted yield curve and recession and that, Mm -hmm has a strong historical pattern with the stock market. It's the, uh, I haven't done the historical research on it, but to your point, because it is such an alchemy, you really have to 
I feel like you need to take it back to the basics of, okay, if I were to look at the dot-com bust and that recession, or if I were to look at the 2008 bust and that recession, well, there were different things that made those recessions happen. In one case, technology had way too much overinvestment. In another case, the banks overlevered themselves. And then if you continue going back in history and back in time, the companies are different. So the companies that were big in 2006 are not necessarily the same companies that were big in 2000, and they weren't necessarily driving the economy. And so even looking at, let's say, the S&P 500, and you could say, okay, well, I'm going to look at what the S&P 500 did after a yield curve. Well, how helpful is that? Because the the the, the companies in the S&P change. So the S&P today is different too. Uh, 26%, I mean, at least I haven't looked to the most recent number, but it was for a while above 26% of the companies in the S&P 500 were in technology. So you, you can try to look at history to say, okay, well, I'm going to figure out how to solve the market during this crazy time. But it's probably not going to be a very fruitful endeavor because of all of these factors. Right. Exactly. And I think it, you know, I, when I think about all this, I, 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 I like to come back to the basics and I like to think about the businesses that I'm trying to invest in, irregardless of all the chaos that's going around it, because it, it certainly can impact your, your psychology and your thought process. If you, if you let it. And it, I think if you focus on this is a great company and this is a great company and this is a great company and what are their, what are their potential earning power over the next five to 10 years? Because the recession is not going to last for 10 years. And if it does, then we get bigger problems, <laughs> but um, it, it, generally they tend to be shorter and then we then we have a recovery, and it's just kind of the natural ebb and flow of the markets. And I think investing in, for me anyway, thinking about investing because of the potential recession, I think takes me away from what I'm trying to do. And if I think about a great company like Visa we mentioned earlier, I'm not going to invest in them based on whether I think a recession is coming or not. I'm going to invest in them based on what I think, how I think this company is going to do over the next 10 years. And is it going to generate revenue? Is it going to generate growing free cash flow? Are their margins going to improve? You know, how are their, how is their competition? All those things go into it. And I don't think about the economic impact of what could potentially happen because my time horizon is longer. If I was thinking about, you know, if I was thinking about buying Visa and then selling it in six months, I would absolutely consider all the things that we're talking about. But because that's not the way that I invest, then it doesn't really enter into the equation much. I think about it, but it's not, it's not the, the end all be all. Like I have to buy all defensive stocks, all things that can withstand a recession right now. Because, and again, now you're trying to market time. Because now you're trying to anticipate when the market's going to react from a recession. And we were just talking about how generally there's a lag in the market to when a recession happens. And generally there's a lag in interest rates. And so how do you time, how do you, how do you time all that? It, I'm not smart enough to do that. And so it's just easier for me to just try to focus on making sure that I'm buying a great company and that it's going to do well and let it do all the hard work. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think most. I think a vast majority won't be able to time it, and I. I even question if it's even possible to time it consistently. I mean, I right. haven't seen it. No, I haven't. I haven't either. So, I mean, if it's if it's kind of discouraging, you know, or you think about man, I just don't want to deal with that volatility or I don't want to deal with continued hardship. Also remember that there's a lot of research that does show that there are recoveries pretty much every time. And again, the, the, the timing of it's different, but inverted yield curve and recessions, the market tends to recover from in the long term. So I would just double down on what Dave is saying. You know, you, you don't want to completely put your head in the sand about the fact, okay, maybe there is a recession. So maybe the company's earning power right now is going to be less if it's a company that's more exposed to cyclical nature. So you do want to think about that in your valuation. But as far as am I going to try to fret about how how am I gonna you know best optimize and and maximize this environment? I wholeheartedly agree that that's a very difficult, if not impossible, thing to do. So focus on the things you can control, like what is this company's competitive advantage? How likely are they to sustain growth over the long term? And am I paying a reasonable price? even with the chance that we do have a recession, is there still enough cash flow after that? And if you've done all those things, I think you can feel a lot better about the investments. Preach on. Preach on. All right, folks. Well, with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our conversation today concerning yield curves and the potential to determine whether we'll go into a recession or not. This is beneficial information for investors and something that's good to know. And if you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, please check out our website, einvestingforbeginners.com. There's a big, huge search bar at the top of the page. You can search things like return on equity, return on invested capital, revenue, earnings, how to analyze a stock, as well as interest rates. So it's lots of great research there for you to help learn and become a better investor. So without any further ado, I'll go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.